And it's my privilege just to speak for a few minutes now. My name's Tom Parsons. I'm the vicar at Christchurch. And it really is so lovely to welcome you this evening, whatever's brought you along to our carol service tonight. And to add my greetings to Adam um, earlier on. Adam is our curate here. And also, it was great that Kevin, um, Kevin Oliver, he's our new, uh, almost brand new, he's only been here a a, a, a few weeks, and it's been a very difficult afternoon for him because he's uh, Brazilian and British, and English, that is. So uh, who do you support when it's France against Brazil? He told me he was supporting the referee. <laughs> anyway, do connect with Kevin. He's our new families minister, and it would be great for, uh, for, for particularly those with uh, children and young people uh, to connect with Kevin and his wife, Karini, as well. It's their first carol service with us. Also, a very special thanks to Helen um, for pulling us all together um, in the choir, and uh, we do love doing it, and uh, you do a wonderful job for us. And also those who've sorted out the refreshments and made the church look great. It's brilliant. I love this thing here. I hope you do too, the stable uh, scene that Philip Wigley um, builds, has done for the last few years, and Christmas would not be complete at Christchurch without it. So thank you very much. I think we'll all agree that, that uh, the world does seem rather complicated at the moment. This talk has been complicated by the fact that when I set out to write it a few, about 10 days ago, England was still in. And so I didn't know whether I'd be getting up to speak having just lost or won the World Cup final. I felt like having two speeches in one back pocket, like a politician on election night uh, with two talks. Well, anyway, that didn't quite work out. Any French people here? Um, uh, commiserations. But, I, I mean, it, seriously, though, it's true, isn't it? The 20s, the, the, what we're in now, do seem a lot more complicated than the teens did um, as far as the 21st century goes. To 2020 and COVID threw a massive work spanner in the works. And then early 2022, um, the war in Ukraine added more anxiety. Um, the economy, always, uh, inflation already seemed to be, uh, to, be, uh, to be going up. But then, whew, and uh, wages are not keeping up with them, with, with inflation and winter of discontent and strikes has ensued. Add to that the political turbulence that we've known even in our own country in the last few months. And in the middle of it all, that great symbol of stability, the Queen died. These are complex times. And yet here we are celebrating the Christmas story in I think you'll agree, a beautiful service of carols by candlelight. Which leads me to ask, and perhaps you to ask as well, whether the Christmas story itself has any relevance in such a complicated situation that we live in today. Because there are a lot of people, including those who love singing the carols, um, who are far from sure that it does have any real, actual, real-life relevance. There's a perception, I think, that Christmas and the Christmas story itself is a kind of nostalgic fairy tale uh, for children, really. It's for the kids. And so we may value the traditions. We might treasure the traditions, in fact. Um, I certainly do. And they make us nostalgic for our childhood, um, our childhood Christmases when life was a bit simpler. But since then, of course, life has got complicated Intellectually, the story seems implausible in the light of everything that we may have uh, learned about the world in the meantime. Morally, it doesn't quite feel acceptable in the light of contemporary attitudes. Emotionally, it all just seems a little bit too simple. 
to address real life. Well, I want to claim otherwise this evening in just a brief few minutes. I think first of all, in a way, the easiest one to deal with is the whole thing about the Christmas story is a fairy tale. No, it's not a fairy tale. It's history. I don't wonder if you noticed how the story started. It's lovely to have those who've been reading to us tonight and uh, how the, the, the reading went at the beginning. It doesn't start as a fairy tale. A fairy tale starts with the words, once upon a time in a country far away. Because in a sense, with a fairy tale, it doesn't matter if it really happened or not. The fact is, it's a lovely story that teaches us something and warms our hearts and so on, or instructs us. The story, the Christmas story, starts with these words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, brackets, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, the reason that's interesting is because it's a pretty precise historical reference. And we've got reason to, to take that reference seriously because Luke, the author of that narrative, has repeatedly proved himself to be a meticulous um, an accurate historian. There's, there's various ways you can illustrate that. One of my favorite uh, ways is to tell the story of Professor William Ramsey, who was first professor of Latin up in, in Aberdeen and then came down to Oxford as professor. And uh, he, it was very fashionable at his, in his day in the 19th century basically to doubt everything that Luke said and say, assume it wasn't historically trustworthy. And so Sir so William Ramsey, well, he was just William Ramsey then, set out to basically prove that, yes, indeed, Luke did essentially make it all up, and it's all just a nice story. Um, and uh, the, the, so he set out around the, the, the Near East to, to, uh, to confirm that the account was indeed inaccurate. Well, after 10 years of traveling and following in the footsteps of Luke's history, um, Sir William Ramsey came to the opposite conclusion and wrote these words. He wrote, Luke, as a historian of the first rank, not merely are his statements of fact trustworthy, but he is possessed, this is very Victorian, he is possessed of a true historic sense. In short, he says, the author should be placed among the greatest of historians. Now, there's a lot more that can be said about the historical evidence for Jesus. And the thing is, it does need to be said, considering that in a 2015 survey, 40% of adults in this country didn't think that Jesus was a real person or said that they weren't sure whether he was or not. So I hope that that at least says enough to prompt anyone in this group, who's this 40%, who thinks it just didn't really all happen, to think again. So the Christmas story, first of all, it's not a fairy tale, it's history. But then second, and this is going a bit deeper, it's not just for children, it's for the complexities of adult life as well. Now, of course, children love it, and we love seeing children at Christmas, tea towels on their heads in the nativity play, and the tinsel in their hair, and the look of their face, and the presents, and so on. It, the children love it, of course. But once you realize that the events in the story are real, are, are actual historic events, historical events that actually happened, it becomes clear that there are actually some very adult themes involved in the story. Just think about it. Mary and her extramarital pregnancy in a culture where that was by no means straightforward, the threat of divorce hanging over her head, and the pain of misunderstanding as she told everyone, it's by the Holy Spirit. You imagine how that went down. And then, of course, there's the political complexity 
that, that the political oppression, the whole reason that Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem is because they are politically oppressed by the Roman overlords. That's why they have to go. And you may well know that, that uh, it gets very dark indeed um, soon after Jesus' birth as King Herod tries to kill Jesus. Mass infanticide. Tries to kill all the babies. And uh, Jesus' family have to flee as refugees. That's very contemporary to, to Egypt uh, while Herod unleashes his mass murder. Now, that is extraordinarily messy and complicated adult life. But then again, that's not surprising when you consider that Jesus came, that the, the, the reason that Jesus was born was to deal with the deepest source of our messiness. So it's not surprising the whole thing was messy. He was born to save us from our sin, which is a far deeper problem than most people realize. Our sin, it's hugely misunderstood. Just, just let me explain if I can. Our sin, it's not, in the Bible, it's not just the one-off bad things that we do, although there are those things, of course. Sin is this underlying impulse um, in our lives, basically to keep God out of our lives. We've, we've all got it going on in us, all of us. And it's what lies beneath so much of what makes life very messy. Well, Jesus came to break sin's power over us. He came to rescue us from the consequences of that sin, the consequences of this alienation from God that it's caused, which if it's not addressed, will go on forever. And so he came to deal with that. He came to make us God's children, God's children now, before we die, and forever afterwards. And the extraordinary thing is, most extraordinary of all, he does it all knowing that that manger, that humiliation of lying in a manger is only the start. He's going to end up nailed to a Roman cross to actually pay the ransom for us and for our lives and our freedom. So you see, Jesus, it's not just a children's story. Christmas, it's not just a children's story. So he came to address her addiction, his insecurity, her guilt, his rage, my shame, your regret. That's what he came for. That's why it's, gone. That's why it's messy. See, it's not a fairy tale. It's history. And it's not just for children. It's the most complex of adult tangles that we may get into through adult life too. And as a result, here's a third thing. The Christmas story is not just sentimental nostalgia. It's good news for the future. Not just nostalgia, it's for the future. See, nostalgia, I don't know about you, I do get nostalgic at Christmas time. It's just the smell of the tangerines and the mulled wine. You know, the, and it's the song, isn't it? That I, I'm, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. That captures it, the nostalgia that hangs in the air at Christmas time. Nostalgia, it, it does, it sometimes overcomes us. I don't know, some, I, don't know some, I bet you there's someone here who has actually wept with nostalgia as you've looked back to Christmas's past. I would not be at all surprised, uh, especially those of us who loved our childhood Christmases, we think, ah, oh, something's lost. And uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with warming our hearts or the fireside of those beautiful memories that do hang in our, our, in our lives, in our, in our past. But because Christmas is actual history, 
Because it addresses our real lives, we don't need to sentimentally summon up the past when it comes to Christmas. We can look forward with a solid hope. So the angels who, who Helen, let me do, Helen's our choir director. The first thing I remember Helen saying when, I, when the children used to sing, when they were little, she said the word, it's not when the children, she says when you sing, it's not angels. You sing angels. So I must remember that. The angels' message. What do they say? They say to the shepherds, it's good news. Good news of great joy. God, so we say, what is the good news? Well, the good news is that God, our maker, has, not just as an idea, not just as a myth, but God, our maker, has actually become a human being to save us. So as a result, now... If you think about what that means, that means, if it's true, that we can know our creator. We can know who he is. More than that, that we can know him personally. More than that, that we can receive his forgiveness. More than that, that we can actually receive his life into our own lives through the gift of his Holy Spirit. And more than that, we can look forward to enjoying deathless life forever when the one who lay in the manger comes back again a second time to recreate the heavens and the earth. So, I'm coming to the end. We do live in very complicated times. And uh, for some of us, these times feel impossible to navigate. We're wondering how on earth we're going to get through them. Now, I know very well that some people celebrate Christmas as a form of escapism and a carol service like this can be part of that a sort of heartwarming moment that gives a bit of respite from life's complex reality but it's better than that it's history it's real history it's for our complex lives and it has good news for us for the future now you might have questions about that you may have objections to that fair enough I hope you do, but questions at least. Questions about its historic reality, about its potential impact on the complexities of our lives, questions about the future that it gives to us. Well, we've got lots of events coming up in January where you could explore some of those things. Adam, in a few minutes, will talk about these events that we've got coming up, the Glass Room, Hope Explored. He'll talk about those at the end of the service. Little booklets, of course, we love giving away literature here. If you want to have a little read over Christmas, there's a couple here. Is Christmas unbelievable? If you're interested on the sort of the whole history of it and the facts thing, that's a great little book. The Ultimate Christmas Wish List. What's it all about? What does it mean for our complex lives? That's great for that, that, that topic. Take one of each if you want. But that's enough from me, and I thank you for listening on this beautiful evening. And now we're going to hand over to Helen and the choir again as we sing Christ our Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us.